0: Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Please forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, help us that what we're presenting will be in accordance with your will, and may those who hear us understand us, and may we all be blessed by the reading of your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, Every Creature of God is Good. And our passage for this study comes from 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5, which says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Okay, this is from the King James Version. We're focusing on the last... Part of this passage, every creature of God is good. This particular passage in 1 Timothy is especially important when we talk about context. When you're dealing with the writings of Paul, this is true in a lot of parts of the Bible, not just in this portion of the Bible, but especially when you're dealing with the writings of Paul, in many cases, what Paul is saying, his sentences, his paragraphs, cover many, many verses. Okay? Many verses. As an example, 1 Timothy 4 1 through 5 contains two sentences, five verses two sentences. A lot of times we'll find that people have questions about different verses, and they will come and say, what does it mean that every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused? And their question will encompass a portion of verse 4. Okay? I'm not as hung up on which verse something comes in, I'm more concerned with sentences because the sentences encapsulate a whole thought and the paragraphs encapsulate a whole theme. If you stop short of that, you are likely going to answer questions incorrectly or you're going to have questions where you might not have them if you looked at the whole verse. So over the years, I've had many people come and ask what 1 Timothy 4, 4, means. And every time I say to them, okay, first of all, if you're going to understand that verse, you need to go all the way through verse 5, because that's the full sentence. But you should start at verse 1. So context continues to be important. Another theme, which is context-related, I haven't given it a, a specific name yet, but there's another thing that we find in Scripture that people do incorrectly. Whenever the Bible provides you a series of indicators, a series of clues to identify a party, an entity that they won't name outright or haven't named outright. Whenever you get a series of clues, you need to use all of the clues given for successful identification. If you only use part of the clues, you will have false positives. If you use all of the clues, then you're going to capture, you're going to be able to properly identify whomever or whatever is being described. In verses 1 to 3, that sentence incorporates the description of a single entity, and many people pull parts out. Verses 1 to 3 identify someone And an activity. And then verses 4 and 5 explain why what they've done is not essential or appropriate. So let's start from verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Okay. Everything that we said from some shall depart from the faith, all of those phrases were intended to identify a specific entity. Imagine for a moment that we were playing a game where we needed to identify a shape and I was giving you clues, right? You were guessing a shape and I would give you clues in order for you to guess the shape. Even though we're doing it in an iterative process, right? Even though I say, I'm thinking of a, a shape that has defined sides. And you say, is it a triangle? I say, no. Um, it has right angles. And you say, is it a rectangle? I say, no, All right? That's not precise enough and I say, the the sides are all equal. Length of the sides are all equal. Ah, is it a square? Okay. Let's imagine that we're going through an iterative process like that. Every clue that I've given, even though it was a couple sentences ago, or in between it was, you spoke in between me giving a, a different clue, all of the clues have to add up. You can't discard any of the clues, right? The fact that I mentioned that it had four sides early on or that I mentioned that it had 90 degree angle early on, if we have to go five, six clues deep, you can't forget any of the previous clues because then you'll come to conclusions that are that should have been ruled out, but that you're now pretending are valid because you're not looking at the clues cumulatively, okay? Not looking at the cues cumulatively. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaketh expressly. He says definitively that in the latter times, at some later point from when Paul is writing this, some shall depart from the faith. They're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, They're going to speak lies and hypocrisy. They're going to have their conscience seared with a hot iron. They are going to forbid to marry and they're going to command to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them that believe and know the truth. Okay? That's all together. That's all together. Now the word that's used, interestingly enough, says food, and in and, and the King James meats, often referred to foods, doesn't have to, but often refers to foods. And it says here, food, literally or figuratively, especially ceremonial articles allowed or forbidden by the Jewish law. Okay? That's what the word that's used here, to abstain from meats. So it's to abstain from food. Okay, Now, it does say, for every creature of God is good. And so we tend to think of verse 4 as supporting the idea of meats, animal meat, in verse 3. But where it says every creature of God is good, it says product or created thing. So creature of God, that would make sense. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, colon, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Okay. So now that we've gotten past, well, I shouldn't say we've gotten past, I've ignored the first part for a moment. I wanted to identify that everything is tied together as a unit, but I'm dealing with, I'm down to the creature of God. I'm going to go back to the front part, but I'm down to verses 4 and 5 right now. Every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. Many people stop there, but it does not stop there. If it be received with thanksgiving, many people stop there, but it is not finished. For it is sanctified by the word of God and... Prayer. The Word of God and prayer. Those are the two constraints. You cannot simply pray over any food and make it acceptable for consumption if it was not sanctified by the Word of God as well. It is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. It is important to understand that when Paul provides this information to Timothy, he is not suggesting that you can pray anything into food status. He is saying here, especially when you combine it with verses 1 to 3, the abstaining from meats which God had allowed by the word of God and prayer. If it's not in the word of God as eligible for consumption, praying alone is not going to make it so. You need both verses 4 and 5 because you need The whole sentence okay so who are we talking about in verses 1 2 and 3 and this goes along with our prophecy series the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I'm adding some of these ands because I need it to be clear that these are all cumulative clues. And forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. The entity being described here is the papacy. It is the papacy that introduced uh, ordinances like Lent, where people cannot eat something or give something up as a unit. Okay, now the Bible deals with fasting and we know that people have fasted and given up specific things for fasts, but rarely was that ever done by the whole nation of Israel. Rarely was that ever done at a congregation level. They, They often, whenever you see... Um, fasting done at the national or congregational level, it was because they had been in sin or apostasy. And fasting often accompanied repentance and reformation and revival. But typically speaking, individuals committed themselves to fasting of specific things, typically food, but not always. Samson, for instance, and Samuel were both both had a Nazarite vow. So while there were specific things they didn't eat, by a command of God, by the way, while there were specific things they didn't eat, they also didn't cut their hair. Okay. Or at least in Samson's case, weren't supposed to cut their hair. It is the papacy that established that priests should not be married. Whereas in the Bible, the priesthood was a lineage that was continued by marriage and and um, by heredity. Okay, at least the Aaronic priesthood was. So verses one to three are describing the entity which, in latter times, later times from when Paul writes this to Timothy, would deviate from the pure apostolic faith and would add all sorts of additional doctrines and traditions in the same way that by the time of Jesus, the Pharisees and the scribes had added all these traditions of the elders, which God, which Christ pointed out, were in opposition to the law of God. They didn't just institute things that were additions to God's word. They instituted things that contradicted what God had had them to do. Okay, That's why Jesus talked about them putting their their traditions over God's commandments. Them ignoring God's commandments for their traditions. So we saw that in... Judaism, it got corrupted by human tradition, and then Christ established the apostolic church and straightened out the doctrinal issues, and we see that a couple centuries pass by, and again, we get corruption. Okay? We get corruption again, which God has been working to straighten out. This is essentially what the Bible talks about. This idea, and and I'm going to do a study on it, the seven churches, messages to the seven churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, it's really talking about the progression of the church through time. And the different circumstances that the church went through that apply to us even today. So I need to do that series, which, God willing, I will do soon. But here in 1 Timothy 4.1, we see that the papacy is spoken of. It's identified by all of these specific things that it did and that represent who it is and how it behaved and then he he targets and tackles the issue of them restricting food because what they restricted was what God allowed because it was sanctified by the word of God and prayer not just prayer Okay. Remember, context is important, and when you're doing identification of of uh, entities and symbols in scripture, especially in prophecy, it is important to remember that you need all of them. Whatever you're looking for must match all of the clues given, not most of the clues given, not some of the clues given, but all. It's cumulative many 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 people especially in the prophetic books of daniel and revelation get identification of entities incorrect because they'll see three out of seven hints or clues that are given and they'll align those three to whatever it is they want and ignore the four that don't match up and think that that's okay it is not if there's seven clues given all seven must match If there are three, all three must match. If there are 20, all 20 must match. Whatever it is, you must have 100% match so that you come to the right conclusion about what is being identified. Okay? Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the last times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, Forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your your word, your love to us, your goodness. We thank you for the principles contained in your word. Help us to learn them, understand them, recognize them, so that we can rightly divide your words of truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can reach us via email at biblequestions at We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also recommend that you check out the True Wisdom podcast, where Robert and I discuss Bible stories and topics together. Both of these podcasts can be found on a variety of platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. Please remember our ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share his holy word.